Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that you and all of us can do a better job developing products that our customers love. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. That's the RPM Experience, which is the fastest way for product VPs to get everyone contributing to product creation on the same page, learning processes that increase performance. It's an ideal tool for newly formed teams or growing teams. And it's unlike any other training because it's more of an experience that we have together. Go to productmasterynow.com RPM to see how it can help you and your team. Today, we're talking about digital transformation and why it matters to product managers and leaders. Tim Boca is an associate professor of practice in digital transformation at the STA Bocconi School of Management in Milan, Italy. He is also a senior partner at Deloitte, Germany, specializing in digital transformation. He has more than 22 years of top management consulting and digital transformation experience, working with clients in more than 20 countries. He is also the author of a new book called Digital Transformation Payday, Navigate the Hype, Lower the Risks, Increase Return on Investments. And as always, listeners, if you want a detailed written summary of everything we discuss, including a one-page takeaway, we call that our action guide, take key takeaways that Tim will share with us, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 416 for those resources. Tim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. So I guess evening for you, you're over in Germany and I'm here in the States and hopefully the internet will hold up fine for us today. I'm very confident. It, yeah, <laughs> it has developed a lot over the years. So let's hope. Yeah, it's usually on my end, but we'll find out. Let's get grounded. There's been a lot of talk about digital transformation, organizations grasping onto digital transformation. And I do hear it talk about in different ways. Get us grounded about what that is and why it matters. I think it's a very good and easy question with a not so easy answer as one would have expected. Because if you really, and my book is based on a couple of years of research, so I more or less, I looked into everything out there on digital transformation. And you would bet that it's clear what it is after all these years. But then when you spend some time and you spend more time and even more time than you want, then you find out that not much of a common definition of what this is all about. And that's because there are so many stakeholders in this ecosystem and everyone needs their own definition to sell why this definition is the best. My view is that actually you could think about it that it's a transformation process. And the word digital, and that's the dangerous thing about digital transformation, is just one tool which can help companies transform. But I'm talking here to an audience of product managers, so we we all know that it needs a good product to succeed. And just to say it's something digital doesn't make it any better. You have to look at it from a customer perspective. You need to find something which is better than competition, which is fulfilling customer needs. And digital, and that's the good thing, can be a great help in making this happen, but it's not the solution by itself. So back to your question, very simply, it's about the transformation really. And the transformation, like any transformation, is in the end about the strategy which you follow. Because if you don't know where you're going, you just transform somewhere where you're ending up just not being better off versus your competitors than before, or even worse off, and in the wake of doing so, spending a lot of money for digital hype buzzword technology, which is not making any customer more happy, any product more profitable, Anything we should all aim for is not really achieved by just saying, wow, what now is digital? And I disrupted myself for being disrupted and all these kind of buzzword sentences, which don't really help anyone to improve. In some cases, 
it's an opportunity for another group of projects to be started. And they're put under an umbrella of digital transformation. Yeah. And they might not necessarily move the important factors forward, which you just shared, which was, can we add value to the customer? Can we make the customer more happy? Can we make the product more valuable? Can we make that experience more valuable for the customer? And very often, and when we look deeply into, I don't know, I'm a telecoms and media specialist in, in my other life. So I work a lot on digital products, which have been digital for a long time. And as always, the success of the product is mostly driven by simple factors, how from a customer perspective, the end-to-end experience really works. And it can be self-service in a digital platform. But very often, we also have discussions, maybe the differentiator for the product is that you can actually talk to someone who can fix your problem instead of you for free fixing it by yourself. Yeah. So it's a really interesting many-dimensional thing. It's, it's very often misused. As I said, digital transformation is not an objective by itself. It's just a means to an end. And if no one has thought about what the end should be, then it's probably not a good idea to do. And there you talked about it could be self-serve. So I think an example might be helpful for us here. For example, I have talked to people who've done a digital transformation where they were taking what was largely a offline manual sort of process, maybe as part of some aspect of their product. Maybe you had to call into customer service to get information or on something. As part of their digital transformation, they included making access to some information that customers did not have direct access to before. And they really found some new synergies that they weren't even expecting that came out of this. I think for product people, we really appreciate this aspect of we're creating value for the customers in the process. We have to solve a real problem here. Can you take us through an example, maybe one we might recognize, maybe one we wouldn't, but you can give us context of digital transformation to help make this a little more concrete for us? Happy to. So let's stay with the telecoms example. Let's say it's a telecoms company, you know the names in the US and similar companies all over this planet. And as you said before, so in the traditional business model, whenever you had any issue with your tariff, with your, how your product was working, etc., you would have to call the call center, option A, walk into a shop, option B, and both in sometimes really a rewarding experience if then whatever happened in the call center in the shop helped you to fix your issue, but sometimes also then ending into endless flows, cycles of the first person not being able to help, hand over to another person, then waiting in the line for one hour, etc. So very terrible customer experience. Not good if you want to sell a product in kind of this in subscription businesses, make people stay on the product they have for a long time. So the idea, obviously, to transform this experience into something people would call digital first. So before you do anything, you just open the app on your smartphone and it's all fine and safe and you do everything yourself. No human intervention no possibility for anyone messing up in the process. That's all sounding very nice. And when it works, I must say it's also something to be done. And we all know how the big ret- online retailer with the A, how they work. It's, you just get used to things getting done by yourself in a very efficient way with limited human interaction. And you expect that to happen for all products not only in that area, but across anything you are related to. The only thing which, and then saying there are many success stories where you can, I don't know, move, migrate 20, 30% of your customer base just going using only this digital self-service app. The only thing is that as product specialists and product strategists, one should think about the segments you want to serve. So what happens in many markets, and we all know that you have segments which are not digital savvy, 
which don't use the smartphone as a first choice. And for them, some of these transformations actually led to a worse experience because there were less people in the call center. They couldn't use the app or didn't want to use the app. The shop people were no longer trained to look end to end. And all these things, yes, it can be a good story and it has done many good things. But from a strategy perspective, coming back to what I said at the beginning, in the end, if you still want to serve your larger customer base, every product needs to accommodate not just the digital savvy people and more and more telcos actually differentiating by being the ones where it's actually someone human helps you to fix your problem. And I don't know, in European markets, in Germany, but it's true in all markets, it's just simply true that the that they're more older people are using technology, but that doesn't mean that they all use an app freely every point in time, everything self-service, etc. And maybe often they even don't want this. So the telco world is a very good example where this is happening and many other industries we usually say now try to follow. Take the car industry. So they, they never had any end customer connection in most markets. So they produced the cars, made them very techy, uh, high-end, very nice to see. And then they gave it to the retail networks and only the retail networks had direct customer interaction. So they never had to worry about the experience in the end-to-end -end process. And that's now changing. More car retailers going away, more direct access, direct sales. And all the new companies like Tesla and the ones there, they are really thinking about their product end-to-end, -end, including the sales journey and taking full control of everything. And that's a great example of that someone probably thought about it before they did some digital transformation, not just doing it because everyone is doing it. And that's part of a larger transformation activity yes. that, that's taking place. So as you talk about digital transformation is transformation at the heart there. And the car industry is a really good example. You see this in all kinds of products that we, as product people, we develop the product for who we think is the customer. And then maybe over time, the organization starts thinking about the customer really as the distributor, because we're not selling it to the end user that we originally designed the product mm. for. And we start getting a little bit out of sync as an organization, because we think about what are the needs of the distributor, which are different than who's actually in using our product. And having that more direct channel is really beneficial to uh, us as product people to understand how we can make products more valuable for the end user, not just the distributor. So I like your car example there that ties in well with that. Yeah, and it's even more true when, I don't know, it's hard to say when this is going to happen, but when more and more subscription-based model come into place for more and more products, because then, and that's when it's really interesting, then you really need to know your end customer because you don't really just sell to retail and then it's redistributed. You right. need to take control of the whole thing because otherwise they can just move and switch back and forth to different things. And you have no means of influencing that. And you leave all that to your intermediate channel intermediaries. And then, yeah, good luck. So yeah. that's also a good reason to digitally transform, even though some of the intermediate channels might not like it, that you suddenly have data, which was their own kingdom for a long time. Yeah, we, we need that actual information from who's using our products, if that's who we're designing yeah. the product for, to try great value yeah. for. And I've had lots of conversations with people in organizations you just be scrappy, right? Figure out easy ways to do this that you can get your hands on today. If your product is sold in a retail store, like at Best Buy, you go hang out in the aisle at Best Buy and wait for people that come along and are looking at, a, at that product category on the shelf. And when they pull one off, you simply ask them a question about why they chose that one. What were they doing? What is their need, right? And just engage them in some discussion about this. There's ways that we can be scrappy to start getting information. 
I love this point because I started working in the telco industry. We used to have focus group. We used to do walk into stores, watching people buying things, see how they behave, etc. And the funny thing is then the more digital everything became, more and more people thought that actually the data can replace this. But data does never show emotions. Right. It never shows really happiness, anger, and all these things. It never shows why someone, I don't know, in the retailer, as you said, why they grab something lower rather than higher, what could be the reason. So all these things that get, and, the, and we oft, I often uh, preach to my team saying, look, if you, ne if you don't know how it feels to buy this product, you shouldn't do a strategy for the product <laughs> because probably you'll be terribly wrong and no data on this planet will help you if you don't do that in parallel. Yep, that's a very good point. You were talking about telcos. I'll give you the quick example that I want to ask you about. How can we actually work through this? Maybe a framework, right, yeah. for transformation projects. But by example, I recently adopted a T-Mobile's internet solution, right? So they have a home internet, they have a business internet, same thing, actually. And I did the business internet, so my business. That was a fairly seamless process to call them up, get routed to the right place, and the person that actually ended up I talking to was was incredible, just really outstanding customer service. And I understand T-Mobile has invested in, the, in, I don't know when, last couple of years maybe, in really good AI technology to help with that when you call in that customer yep. service experience. So that might be part of a digital transformation project, right? That their customer service has gotten yes. much better on the phone. And that all worked really well. And then unfortunately, for various reasons, the actual box they sent me wouldn't work for my location. They have three different routers. I needed a different one. Not a big problem. I took it back to the store to, to deal with this issue because you have to return the box. And they couldn't find it in their systems. Like They, they couldn't find any record that I actually had this box, which was interesting. Hmm. And their solution was to call. They have their own call number as a retail store yes. to corporation to try to figure this out. And then they're on hold for a long time. I'm in the store for about an hour and we actually never resolve this. We never get to a point and they say, we can keep working on this for you or you can just try to call into the call center yourself, which is what I did later. Yeah. And I went from a really good experience initially yes. to oddly enough, the retail store experience was less satisfied, which I expected to be higher touch and more value, right? There's something there in their ongoing digital transformation projects that just let me down along the way. Still glad to be a customer of theirs and the internet's been working great. So maybe we can help them and others listening. We'll be back in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by the RPM Experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. In just nine weeks, meeting 75 minutes a week, Product managers, teams, and leaders become product masters, creating more value for customers, their organization, and themselves. You will build a broad foundation of product management knowledge, get everyone on the same page, while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer, all resulting in higher performance. Participants feel empowered and more confident about their work. They learn how to create value for customers and revenue for their organization. One product leader who used the RPM experience across a global organization said it is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed. Many organizations have benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at productmasterynow.com RPM. Go to the same URL and schedule time to talk about how Chad and his team can help you and your organization. Can you take us through, I know in the book, you present a framework for how do you do a digital transformation project. And I'd like to understand kind of what the pieces of that framework are. 
Yes. So it's good that you ask because look, every consultant I know just loves having frameworks, but actually that's not the reason why I put a framework. The, you can use any fr framework, I believe, in the end, as long as it fulfills the criteria which I had for a good one, which means it's showing that it's an end-to-end -end journey. And for the framework, I just use the analogy to a chemical correction process because it's so nicely fitting. Look, it's all a big experiment. Any digital transformation is like a chemical experiment with an unclear outcome. There are no clear numbers, but many of these experiments fail. Some say 70%, some say 80. It's all made up or just subjective. But in the end, it's more than it should be, much more than half in any case. So if you use that analogy, I was saying, look, the first thing you need to do before you set up an experiment is thinking of the design of what you want to achieve with this experiment. So you need a strategy, and that sounds so obvious, but you wouldn't believe in how many cases, journeys, experiments are started without anyone thinking even for 10 minutes about how do I use this to win in the marketplace. Right. Okay, so that's the first part. Yeah, and just to clarify yeah. strategy, right? Strategy is this word that gets used in different ways. I have this mental picture that always comes to my mind of, and I think it came because of a picture I found related to strategy, of two boys sitting at the chess table playing chess. And the mm. objective is to win the game. Yes. And in an organization, the objective is to create a competitive advantage and win in the marketplace. Yes. And fundamentally, strategy is how do we win together? Yes. And very often, you either find someone believing that you just don't need it because now the world is digital, you don't need strategy, wrong. The second mistake could be that you just play to play. You know, that's something you can also do in chess. You just mm -hmm. don't care who is winning. Just because it's a good friend, you sit and you drink and you move on the chessboard and you forget after some time what you did. But it's still a nice conversation, nice evening. But that's not what business should be all about. It's, in the end, it's about winning. And that's what strategy is all about. The second part are the catalysts which make the experiment run. Okay, in the in the digital case, it's I don't know. Are there new technologies which, by themselves or more likely in a combination, can really make your experiment run at the speed you want? Is it a change of customer demand pattern? Is it a change of the skills you have or you need in your organization? Is it different demands from your people? Is it new sources of funding? So there, in the book, you will find many types of catalysts which you need to be aware of to see whether the experiment will actually start. Then the most important part is what I call the re reactant. That's what it's called in a chemical process. It's the scope of what you're doing. And that's also fun because very often you find people and companies saying, we now do digital transformation, but the scope is actually at the frontier of the business. So it's, a, it's one single product. It's one single process. It's just the front end of the web shop, not the rest. It's buying a new little company where cool people work in jeans and trainers, and it's all digital. And that's all in scope, not the scope of the company. So the core in the end needs to be transformed if there are the catalysts for doing that and if there's a strategy behind. If there's no need to transform the core, you would wonder why you, do, why you mess around, I don't know, at the borders of what you're doing. So I think on a, from a product manager perspective, it's a great thing if you have one product under your ownership, which is more digital than anything else. But the big question always is, so how is it really moving the needle for the company? Sometimes products can be the source and, I don't know, the initial ignition point for something bigger, but often it just ends up in a small area. And then the reaction mechanism in the process, it's also very simple. It's how does, yeah, are you agile? 
Do you go the traditional way, step by step? And very often we see in companies that they think they are agile, but they are not because they just agilize parts of the business. Very often the product managers are the one who start working agile in many ways, dynamic design thinking, all these things. And that ends immediately when the release trains for the IT releases teach them that actually there's another reality still in that company where it doesn't really help to be agile in just one corner of the business. And then finally, the experiments outcome. That's the final part of the framework. And I put that because it's about the payday. So it's about can you measure that you actually generate value for a company with digital? And very often you find saying, look, it's digital, we cannot measure it, but it's wrong. We all know you can measure so many things. You can measure indirectly, I don't know, customer satisfaction scores. It's, it, there are technologies where you can measure that very exactly. You can walk into a shop and just see how people behave and you can measure that at scale. So yes, you can measure and you should. And only then the translation to value will come because if no one realizes the change, then no one would value the company for doing so. So that's the framework. It's, but as I said, the key message is it's about going end to end and not just thinking about one area. I'm agile now, done. I've implemented this one technology as a catalyst, I'm done. That's not how it's working. And that's why the percentage of failures is so high, whatever the real number is. But you introduced this originally as a transformation and that framework underscored to me, this is a transformation of the organization at its core Yes. And not just playing around the, what's a manual paper process now that we can digitize? Yes. Or is there an aspect of our product that should be digital that hasn't been already? And thinking larger about how does this really form the core? And that was clear when you talked about the reactant aspect of this. So the you're hurting my brain a little bit having to recall parts of college chemistry that I have never delved into as an electrical engineer. <laughs> I never went back to, but I got the strategy part. That's clear. How do we win? Yes. What is it at our core of an organization that is going to help us be more competitive and create more value for our customers? Yes. The experiment that makes this run, which sounded like to me like, what are the resources that we really need, right? New technology, yes. the people funding, everything for that. The reactant to think about the scope, and the scope is probably bigger than we might initially put our hands around. So that's probably a good thing to, to get in touch with. Yes. The action mechanism. So a lot of organizations, especially IT organizations, would probably characterize themselves as more of a hybrid project management structure, right? Where we're doing some waterfall yes. things and we're trying to do development in sprints and time boxes and trying to mash that up and that creates an interesting thing. And then recognizing the actual metrics. What do we measure along the way to know if our experiment is yes. producing the outcomes that we want or not? Very well summarized for a spinning head, yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Let's talk about the scope a little bit more, the transformation aspect of this, because as you were describing this a bit, and I'm thinking about the transformation taking place, you said a lot of these projects fail, right? Whatever that number is. And there's organizations like the Standish Group that looks at large-scale enterprise IT projects. If we put in a CRM system or ERP system, yeah. and there's other sources of data too. And it's always been, for as long as I've been look, watching the data for about two decades now, we hover around about a third of such projects. Failure rate of any enterprise project is pretty high. And if we're talking about any kind of transformation, then we have a, that other aspect that this is, there's challenges here that this, we already know we're up against the wall that this is going to be tough. Practical insights about that reactant aspect. How do we start a scope that we can actually get momentum on 
in an organization without it feeling like it's so overwhelming that we're never going to get anything going. I think that's a very good point because I think that's the right idea. But very often what companies do, they, they find a scope where it works, and they, but they don't think when they try to find that scope how to translate back to the bigger thing. So my message would be, it's not about doing everything at once. That's, that leads to the big failure rates, among many other reasons. It's about when you start somewhere where it's maybe easy or easier, where it's maybe more likely to su succeed, that you already think about how to translate back that back to your company. Just to give you one example. So if one of my clients, they, they just bought a few very digital, smaller companies, integrated them in one company, which was at arm's length not directly managed by the core business. And the idea always was then to slate all the learnings back to the core business, but it was never planned like this. So what happened is very simply that at the moment in time when someone said, look, the, the, this frontier business is so small, yes, it's somehow working, but now we need to see an impact on our core business. Then the pressure mounted, And then there was just no back channel to make sure that there's any positive thinking in the core about this new stylish, cool thing outside of the core business. And then more or less it was killed in the process. And the learning from that would be that if you build these things, then from day one, you need to design mechanisms where what they do is also used at the core business from day one. I don't know, if you buy a startup with a new technology, then... Why don't you make one selection criteria before you buy the company, whether you can use it in your core business? And why don't you incentivize managers in the core business to use that technology from day one? Because if they don't believe in it, not even internally, why should anyone outside then at scale buy these services? And that's a very high hurdle because it will probably make many acquisitions not work. But at least it's a thinking point from the beginning to say, how can I take that back? Because then obviously you still send the best people to these new areas for them to experiment. In the worst case, they learn how to do it. They are not integrated back. They go somewhere else. Yeah, great journey. Yeah. Not very valuable. We see this often in businesses, right? Acquisitions, yeah. which are supposed to create some new influence on the culture. We're getting yeah. the scrappy startup that thinks differently and we want to bring that in. And the core just kills the effort because the core is dominant and there's all these antibodies that resist change, right? And recognizing from the beginning that this is going to, that we want this to have a larger impact and thinking through that strategy to make that happen yeah. is really important. And that's also very true if, I don't know, if you install new classes of products somewhere else and if you want these products to have some impact on your core products at some point. There needs, for me, there needs to be, I don't know, a direct channel from day one. Yeah. I haven't seen many cases where, other than by pure force of someone who just wanted it to happen no matter what, and we see what this is going usually leading to, we all right. know. Yeah, all the fundamentals of product management are in place here. We're making change and we have to expect what's going to be the res resistors to that change and how to move through that, what it means to our team products. And people that might feel like some products are being cannibalized, mm. perhaps, and the like. Yes. And so all the product management fundamentals are at play, which suggests to me that if we're doing digital transformation as an organization, we certainly want our product people involved because they have really good insights about how we do manage some of those issues and create more value for our customers. So it's a good topic for us to take up because yes. it's a good place for product people to be a part of. And usually product people should and are on the forefront of this most dynamic in the process, etc. But they also have a, I don't know, 
the duty then to think beyond this small area and think about so what bigger implications should this have and can I help to make that happen? Because what does it help you succeeding with a little product which is not scalable? Yeah, worst case, you just get no more funding for that in the future because it's not scaling. In the best case, it can be the source of something bigger for the company. Yeah, that's I think that's also a lot of inspiration to make that happen at some point. I know it's very painful. I've seen that so many times. But I think that's at least one source of energy I have when I'm fighting these complexities together with my clients. Yeah. There's, as I've talked with some others about actual projects, there's lots of synergies that come about that may not have originally been envisioned. Just as we start yes. thinking about our business a little bit differently and what a digital transformation would mean to that. Yeah. And that gets really exciting. And then you just have to, the project can push through. As listeners know, we enjoy innovation quotes around here. I ask that you would bring one to us and just share what that means to you. What do you have for us? It's actually, and the funny thing is, it's a very old quote. It's from Mencken from 1920. And he said something which is, I don't know, for every complex problem out there, there is an answer which is simple, clear, and wrong. And this is the key message for any digital transformation because the easy copy, best practice, and all these things which people use to design or think they can design something better, it's always wrong. And then we come back to the strategy part where what does it help if you end up copying something just because someone else did and make it simple and then call it, I have used this best practice experience, which is usually shallow because no one knows the insights if you, at least if you haven't hired the guy who did it really and learned from him. Then you copy something which is a legend and not reality. And then you find out that reality is different. So my key point also to my senior clients always is, look, this is digital transformation. It doesn't mean it's easy. Actually, it means it's much more complex than any other transformation before. The end result could be simplification and should be. But the way to get there is not the easy answer. And that's something which people need to learn from my perspective. I like that. For, er for every complex problem, there is an answer that is simple, clear, and wrong. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It's a great quote and a good reminder. Reminds me of Einstein, right? To make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it goes in the same direction. Yeah. And I think the danger of digital transformation is that sometimes we tend to believe that it makes it easier. No, it doesn't. It ends up being easier if it's done well. But as I said, the process to get there usually has so many complexities. And in addition, we, we tend, as you said, after we, we've all been in the business for a long time. And actually, there have been so many learnings on why IT transformations fail. And when you do the research, as I did for the book and for the research underlying the book, you, when you read all the IT research, you realize that many things have already been analyzed, answered, digged into, etc., and then suddenly came the digital wave where all this was forgotten. And I still, I'm, I've been now more than 20 years in the business. I still struggle to understand why a ERP implementation is so fundamentally different from a CRM implementation, which we also had all the time. Yes, now it's in the cloud and there are many things which are different. But in the end, the reasons why it can go really to hell are the same. Right. And they are usually not... Even by experienced people, they are not really looked into that much because it's now all agile and you can fix the problem on the run. And so why bother? But in the end, four years on the run in the wrong direction is also not, not a right. good idea. Yeah, the fundamental issues have not changed, right? We need 
clear executive support. We need a clear understanding of requirements and scope and why we're doing this. Yes. We need clear resources and funding. And the fundamentals have not changed. No, I just said, and you need to budget from day one that it's not going to work the first time. Lucky shots, where um, but very often people just they put a budget, then it doesn't work, then they restart again. Often new management behind, they then forget because it's some cost. So you could argue you're no longer responsible for the money wasted before. But in the end, from a overall ownership perspective, it's still wasted money. And it should be factored in from day one that these things don't always work from day one for the first time. Also because it's so fast that the new technologies are coming, you might bet on a technology too early where it's not yet stable enough. You might bet at the right point in time and you might be lucky or you might bet on the technology too late and all your competitors already have it in the market before you even started. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting life these days. Lots of puzzle pieces. Yeah. Excellent. And more details in your book, certainly, Digital Transformation Payday. I'll put a link in the show notes to find that, at least on Amazon. What are the best ways for people to find out about you, the resources you have available? I think the easiest is just to go to digitaltransformationpayday.com. Very easy. Okay. Just the name of the book.com. There you find more information. You can also download sample chapters. And if you want to read the book, it's available in all major retail channels, digital and physical ones from December. Okay. Digitaltransformationpayday.com. Yes. Best place to go. Tim, once again, thanks for being with us and leading us through aspects of conducting digital transformation in an organization. Thank you, Chad. Thanks for the invitation. And everyone, as a reminder, if you want those resources, the written summary of everything we discussed, and that one-page action guide, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 416. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.